That is so funny. I've never I, heard of anybody putting their coffee in the in the water reservoir to re. <laughs> Dude, that is so funny. I did that a few times, and then I tried microwaving it, and putting it through the reservoir is a way better option. That's not a better option. I don't. Well, I don't know. Was it? No. Okay, it, we're talking about like between the two worst options of what to do with leftover coffee. I feel it, like microwaving like definitely is better. Bad. It probably gunks up your like coffee machine to put your old coffee back through. Well, it, I don't it know might. About that. I have no idea. I got Welcome a new one to recently. So. Episode twenty-five of Off the Crossbar. Oh, that one was organic because I really didn't know we were recording. I was just trying to understand uh, Trevor's coffee process. Yeah, it's not a process. It's, a, it's, it's not a process. Yeah, it's, it's both abhorrent and impressive. Damn. Oh man, classic Trevor. Anyway, we're recording at nine fifty-seven p.m. and I'm on my first of what is sure to be two cups of coffee tonight. So, which really confuses me because don't you work at like seven a.m.? Um, yeah. So here's the thing. There's two parts <laughs> to the, that answer. One, not tomorrow, and not the day after. Oh, I've got the next couple of days off. Oh, work, I saw so that. We're fine. I saw that. The second part of that answer is that like caffeine doesn't like keep me from falling asleep. Yeah. I don't know if that's just a weird genetic anomaly or what, but like I can drink coffee late at night and go to sleep. Does in like an hour or two later. No, no, I don't I think don't so. That's that's good, I guess. Wait, Fresca sparkling soda water? That what? what? Did it? Was that's... that what I'm drinking? <laughs> it's is it Fresca sweet? just already sparkling soda water? Well, I mean, it's got artificial sweetener in it, of course, but this isn't soda water. Well, it says that on the can. Look, how much soda water? But oh, it's soda the, and there's water, right? That's one of their newer frescas that are like flavored frescas. Like it's like fresco, what? but not fresco. It's it's peach. Fr- I'm drinking peach fresca, but I would yeah, never have thought ones. this to be. Well, look at the sparkling soda water. Look at the label. How many grams of sugar are there? Well, zero. But they've. Uh, um, oh, is it like the sugar-free version? Or? Well, Fresca is always sugar-free. Yeah, that's Fresca, what I was going to say. Oh. Fresca is all, like, you wouldn't call Diet Coke, like, sparkling soda water <laughs> that has, like, the dark stuff in it, right? I'm going to start saying that now. <laughs> this is really confusing. I had I, no idea. Sparkling caffeinated soda water. Why did I not know that Fresca was sugar-free? I, I always knew that because my, my dad used to be a big Fresca head. And so, oh. and he would always prefer that. And I'd be like... Don't, why don't you get squirt? And he's like, "Well, there's sugar in that." And I was like, "Oh, so <laughs> maybe yeah. Trevor." There's a story from my childhood. <laughs> it's got 35 sodium milligrams. Hmm. hmm. I feel like speaking from somebody who's read the label three times on various soda cans. I think that's about normal. I think so. This is interesting. I just man. Does Fresca, oh. It's weird that Fresco would ever call itself sparkling soda water. That's just this weird. energy drink has 310 milligrams of sodium. Oh, well, okay. So if you yeah, but also your can is like twice as big, isn't it? Yeah, but half of that is 100 some odd. Yeah, no, I know. 155. I'm saying part of that is that it's a bigger can. I think. Wait, so some of the Fresco cans say the original citrus has sparkling flavored soda. So why do I have the? Uh, and then there's a and then there's a, a peach fresca that's sparkling flavored soda that's peach citrus. But why do I have the sparkling soda water? This is 
this is absurd. What what's the difference? It tasted just like peach fresca. I feel like we've fallen victim to uh, marketing right now. Sparkling I'm, flavored water is kind of a buzzword thing. I feel like maybe. Yeah, so it absolutely is. Critical, spell good so words on the label, back. so that people yeah. can look at it and be like, "Oh yeah, that's probably just like every other sparkling flavored stuff I I enjoy." Fair. Even though it's just straight up like Fresca. I think they completely. But I have no idea. Oh, okay, you're right. So Coca-Cola announced revamped packaging again in 2018, along with a new marketing campaign targeted towards millennials. The first Fresca advertising since 2008 with the stated intention of, quote, reeling in a new generation of drinkers unfamiliar with the brand. The marketing describes it as a, quote, sparkling flavored soda. That's that's not true. This is a sparkling flavored water. But then it says competing with other sparkling beverage products like LaCroix and Izzy. So it's so sweet, right? Izzy Izzy has sugar, I think, but obviously doesn't. Okay. I'm gonna sugar? Yeah. It tastes like crap. And usually sugar (laughs) doesn't make things taste like crap. This is this is marshmallows are delicious, so I don't know what's going on here. I, the other confusing thing is that there's been a uh, there's a can shortage since I, th- I don't know if it was because of coronavirus, but um, basically, uh, like it was really hard to get. It's still really hard to get Fresca, and they don't have the original cans at, in the store. At least the Smiths by me, and so they had the peach one. So I grabbed this. Um, yeah, wow. It hits the sweet spot somewhere between a soda and a flavored sparkling water. Huh. Goodness. Well. That sounds kind of good. I'll get back to you guys on this. I'll figure out what's going on here because I'm really confused by these different cans that I'm seeing. You got got by some marketing, Kyle. So it's been it's been it's been a little while since we talked last. Was the yeah. last time we all got together? Was that with the RSL show boys, I believe? It sure was. Was it? And it seems like it was a long ago. Mm-hmm. How long ago? Wow! Well, I, uh, it was like, it was it was like two or three games ago, guys. I mean, it was like ten days ago, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, it was so funny how we were like, "What are we going to have to talk about after the MLS's back tournament is over?" <laughs> then Deloy Hansen stuck his big foot in his mouth, and uh, and then Andy Carroll, and then all the games that we haven't talked about yet. Yeah, so uh, we should start in our usual fashion. Oh yeah, the witching hour. Yeah, Kyle, how's it going? It's good. Um, what's new? I I do. I think everything's the exact same with me. Um, I was lucky enough to maintain power through the Arctic hurricane that came through Utah yesterday. So, and Matt, I'm glad to see that your power appears to be black. Back black. It appears to be the blackout appears to be over, and it seems to be back on. I think is what I was trying to say. That's correct. And uh, so, yeah, I have just been kind of hanging out. I think um, I've been watching The Sopranos. It's this new show that people should probably check out. There's it's pretty underground, and I haven't seen much chatter about it online right now. Is it about just, a choir? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, cool. uh, about a gangster choir. And, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and it's 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 crazy. Not seeing a lot about it on the interweb. Um, so would love to would love to get that chatter going. So let's, how uh, how far into it are you? I've I've seen I've 
I saw like a bunch of the episodes like like years ago, and I don't know why I like didn't go through with it because it's great. But I I just finished the first season. Um, oh, nice. With, with very dedicated viewing, so yeah, I it's it's really good. I love that. We love prestige TV from the late '90s, early 2000s. It's good stuff. <laughs> that so, was one of the that was one of the shows I started watching during the coronavirus stay at home mm-hmm. thing. And I got like through three seasons in like a week and a half. And then yeah, kind of had that moment of, where I'm like, I need to stop watching TV. And so I haven't it's watched like a movie episode. every night, basically. Yeah. I mean, the episodes. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. So I'm, I'm like on one every other day at this point. So, yeah, I've just been just hanging out and working. I have a job again now um, that I'm still doing. So that's good. Uh, uh, who wants to, Matt, what's, what's new? Tell us about your power. Oh yeah. So, uh, yeah, my power's out from 7.30 AM yesterday to about 3.30 PM. Um, my sister's power in, I think she's in Washington Terrace is still out. Yeah. Um, she's staying with a cousin, so that's good. Yeah. So I think we had 200,000 people without power yesterday, um, is Rocky Mountain Power's estimate. That sounds uh, about right. To, is that 200,000 different residences or I, I don't know. Yeah. Accounts, I think they count it by, by like customers. Yeah. So, yeah. Like so homes a lot more than 200,000 people then. We're like yeah. probably between like five and 700,000, right? The Rocky insane. Mountain Power also does a lot in Wyoming and Idaho. Like mm-hmm. Utah is definitely the majority. But the numbers that they released yesterday that I saw showed that probably it was like something like ten or fifteen percent of that was Utah and Idaho, or Idaho and Wyoming customers. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, yeah, they. Um, wow. Yeah, that's that's really insane. So we had hurricane force winds. It was a category three hurricane force winds yesterday, and it snowed a lot. Did it snow by you guys? It did not. Thankfully, it, it snowed up my way. <laughs> which was weird yeah i would be very sad because my tomatoes and peppers would all die um with those winds came like bunches and bunches of branches so currently uh my my backyard's not large um but it's large enough to have basically a tree full uh, basically like a tree's worth of branches in there okay like a, a moderate sized tree mm-hmm. um so that's fun uh, and the side yard was the same. So some of my tomatoes got a little little wrecked a little bit, but not too bad, actually. I was a little surprised. Good. Um, good. But, you know, branches like three, four inches in diameter. So not not small ones. Yeah, yeah I was in a holiday today for work, and it was – I mean, when I was there, it was like cleanup time. The wind had already passed and everything, but it was a mess. I know. All over that part of town. Yesterday yeah. I was in um, over really? by Decker Lake by all the yeah, offices. Sign down at your house, Trevor. Oh yeah, it was like uh, it was windy. Yeah. The night before, it was very windy, but it wasn't anywhere near like what it was in Salt Lake. Yeah. When I drove like up to Salt Lake that morning, from- it was mm-hmm. like you could feel it on the freeway. You got out of the car and you could yeah. feel it. It was very, very. I guess it was like much more windy in Salt Lake to like Davis County somewhere up there. Um, yeah, Car- Carly was driving back because she works on Farmington, and she was on Legacy Parkway and passed like she. Well, she she took uh, my car to work, and then she was coming back. She passed like twenty semis that tipped over. That that were just, yeah. 
Yeah, something like 45 along the Wasatch Front tipped over. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. yeah, UHP put up a notice on the boards across the freeway that were like semis pull over and stop. Like, don't go anymore because so many of them had flipped over. Yeah. It's they released awful. a video of a dash cam of a trooper uh, that was pulled up behind, behind a truck that had already tipped over and then mm. another truck pulled up slowly and then tipped over right next to it it's weird how slow it tips um but you said you were out by decker lake and what was going on out there? oh it just like it was definitely windy but out by decker lake there wasn't um nearly as much damage just because it's all like just a business park yeah the business no that i was in over. yeah the business that i was in lost power like for a second while i was there but then it came back on very shortly after. So, like, I was driving around and I saw all the damage today and yesterday. But, yeah, it, it wasn't anywhere near that bad down here. Just, like, thousands of, of trees knocking over power lines and hitting cars and houses and garages and just, yeah. Yeah, I went up by the Capitol last, or, uh, yesterday afternoon once the wind had calmed down enough to be, you know, safe. And uh, it was very strange seeing yeah. how many i mean these these massive old trees just sideways with yeah, you know the uh, ground ripped out yeah there was the ones in the park were crazy i saw people yeah. skateboarding on the sidewalks that had been ripped up oh. and like were angled up we're gonna blend tony hawk's pro skater for that <laughs> oh yeah. hell yeah timely release um uh, the only uh, other thing i have to say yeah uh, on my witching hour comments is that i've been watching the legend of Korra. And it is extremely good. Nice. And uh, I think I might enjoy it more than Avatar. I know that uh, might be heresy, but that's cool. I uh, Carly and I have still just been putting off the finale for Avatar. Just I don't know why. <laughs> we just I get it. We want to save it because it's hard to let that show go. But um, it's good to know. Like we have the Legend of Korra waiting after. I actually think it it's very political. And uh, I, I think you'll enjoy that. Good. Yeah. Um, Avatar had like surprisingly pretty good politics, especially like um, in the uh, again, we're talking about Avatar, the last airbender, uh, it, like the bossing say stuff with the mm-hmm. like division things. Anyway, Trevor, what have you been up to other than driving through wind? Um, uh, speaking of Tony Hawk, I bought Tony Hawk. Uh, <laughs> like the person or? No, the, the video game. They released, they redid mm-hmm. Tony Hawk 1 and 2, which were some of my favorite games ever growing up. Great. Turns out I'm still bad at it, but it's my favorite <laughs> thing in the world. Um, what else? I'm taking a vacation. I haven't taken a vacation in a year and change. So wow. I'm taking a vacation. Good. Are you going anywhere? Are you staying home? No, I'm probably going to go out to, this is not going to be sound exciting at all, but I'm excited for it. I'm going out to Reno. I've got a friend that um, I used to hang out with a whole lot out here, and then they moved to Reno, and I haven't seen them since, really, so I'm going to go hang out with them for a little bit. Are you going to go up to Tahoe? I might go to Tahoe. It's so close. It's like my favorite place on the planet, so it's I might mine do too. You should go, or at least go to like... Truckee and Donner Lake and just oh man what a I mean yeah I don't I don't I've never I haven't spent much time in Reno since I was a child and we lived there briefly and my brother was born when we lived there but um I uh oh man Tahoe's just a great place yeah yeah it's I'm bringing um a hammock and a book with me with the intention of going up to Tahoe and just finding a place 
to put up a hammock and read a book for a few hours. Yeah. Just yeah. Uh, bring a blanket. Uh, if yes. it gets too cold, you don't want it to. That's right. And put it underneath you, not on top of you. That's right. Because that, that airflow underneath will freeze you out. So. Yeah, bring a yeah. thermos with a little hot coffee in there, too. Oh, Maybe yeah. Heat it yeah. through your coffee machine once or twice to really get it, get it going. <laughs> oh. Oh. Um, I will. Sure. That's a great <laughs> idea. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's nice. I'm jealous. I uh, That's that's a great time, I feel like, to go to Thailand. It's like past the busy season, or we're getting past the busy season. Yeah. Oh, I do have one more other piece of news, by the way. <laughs> do share. So, um, I've worked at the same place for two years, and I don't think I've talked to you guys about this a lot, but I've argued with my boss about how much I should be getting paid several yeah. times, Dude. and I'm getting a raise. Nice. I finally Happy argued with the right person. <laughs> <laughs> I went above my boss. I probably shouldn't be talking about this because somebody at work's probably going to listen to this, but I went above my boss and complained to the right person, and he was like, oh, yeah, we definitely should be paying you more. So I'm getting a raise soon. Good. I'm really Love happy about that. it. That's good stuff. So um, as I mentioned since the last time we talked was the roundtable with the RSL show, guys, and that was the day – that Deloitte said he was going to sell RSL. And that was before we got um, increased, re or, I mean, additional reports of some of the goings on within Ralph Salt Lake, uh, specifically with our friend yeah. of the pod. <laughs> oh. Sorry, enemy of the pod. It definitely <laughs> is enemy of the pod, Andy Carroll. Um, yeah, just really awful stuff and i don't really know how to sum up adequately everything that's come out since i, then. I can sum it up go he's been <laughs> accused of uh creating a toxic culture at real salt lake uh consisting of sexism gender-based discrimination uh belittling and abuse and like actual harassment i mean not proven in court but yeah yeah and i <laughs> yeah. think right not to the point where he's charged with a crime, but right. allegations of actual harassment. As, yeah. yeah, and definitely empowered by Deloitte Hansen. So I think a lot of the stuff – Empowered I mean, we, we and heard, enabled. Yeah, I, we heard a lot of the – a lot of um, kind of like old-timey sexism and just really stupid, like gross racism from Deloitte in a way that he probably thought was a joke or something like that or just – I don't know, really, but um, and he obviously created a lot of the same type of workplace dynamics. But Andy Carroll's was very, um, ah, just like more in interpersonal with how he treated a lot of the employees. I feel like, and a lot. I mean, I it's, it might be fair to say that a lot of the more like um, you know day-to-day -day workers within the RSL organization probably interfaced with Andy more than they did Deloitte Hansen. So there's a lot more of those kind of reports um, about a Andy Carroll, it seems. Um, and, you know, <laughs> like, I, I think it was probably, which day did, did Sam Stachel goal go on uh, ESPN 700 with, what's his face, Spence? I I can tell you shortly. It would have been so, like Saturday, wasn't it? No, it was. It was probably Thursday, like Friday, Saturday. Tuesday. I was working that day. It was like a Tuesday or Wednesday or something, probably after that. But Sam Stachko okay. of the Athletic went on on uh, on 
Spence Chackett's show on ESPN 700, again, owned by Deloitte Hansen. And this is the first time we, I had heard from Spence about this topic since he had interviewed both Deloitte Hansen and Netamo Oaha and had kind of laid a bunch of apologia for Deloitte Hansen. Um, it was very both sidesy, right? Yes, which he continued, which this, after everything had come out, all the, the athletic piece, the RSL soapbox piece, a bunch of other stuff um, that shared firsthand accounts from employees who worked underneath um, Andy Carroll um, and Deloy Hansen, that he still was kind of doing the same stuff, but with Sam Stashkoll, um, kind of like part of the problem is that like this is kind of a, a, a poorly kept secret within RSL and that a lot of people around the team and the, the organization and then the league at large knew a bunch of this stuff, including Sam, who worked at RSL at a certain point. Spence um, maintains that he didn't know this stuff was going on, but then also said he had heard some things. So he both he both wanted to shirk any sort of responsibility that he knew what was going on and that he was very apologetic for that type of thing, but then also said that he had heard things but didn't want to repeat things that he had simply heard, which is so funny that someone like me has heard things to a level that has made me very disgusted, but like obviously I can't really do anything. And even with people within the organization couldn't do anything. So I really don't believe that Spence didn't know what was going on. I think that's pretty absurd. There's no way. It, there's no way that Spence yeah. didn't know, at least as much as we all knew. I mean, I yeah. didn't know very specific details, and I didn't know all the details, and I didn't know every single thing that was going on, and I didn't know who was doing exactly what. But I knew from a few years ago that it was not a good situation, that people were not happy, that it was not a great place to work, and that was as a result of Deloy and Andy. I knew that, and I'm Joe Schmo, yeah. season ticket holder in Section 35. Like, how do I know that much about what's going on behind the scenes? And Spence Checkett's one of the biggest names in local sports talk radio, and also the son of the former owner, not and, uh, know what's going on. Hosted a radio show with the guy who uh, got banned from Rio Tinto Stadium by Andy Carroll after... Uh, yeah, I was yeah. like... I was, I was about to bring up Gordon Monson. Like, how could you work with Gordon Monson and not know? Because since we, since all this has come out, we've learned that that was a um, Trey Fitzgerald uh, talked about that on the RSL show and said that that was directly from Andy Carroll saying that um, no, we're not letting him in here. And um, I, yeah, so I, I do not believe at all that Spence doesn't know how bad it was. Um, I mean, from the, from some of the accounts that we had, uh, um, that we heard, Andy had like his group of guys within the organization that he would kind of joke around with and probably felt very comfortable doing that with. Um, maybe some of those are Spence's friends, so they don't have bad things to say, but like even, but like with the Gordon Monson stuff, like, come on, like and your dad being Dave Checkett's, like, I can't imagine how many, how much information has funneled, back to Dave Checkett's about the organization since he left that of course he would tell his son who is in the market and like uh like Trevor and Matt have said like one of the biggest names in sports radio in the state like it's it's absurd <laughs> and so, I mean obviously Deloitte's boss so like yeah exactly so much. yeah and that's got to play a big part into 
him being like the person that people are going to for sports talk radio for him to cover it because his coverage this is the other thing that baffles me is like he tweets occasionally and oftentimes he tweets about sports and he's tweeting about the sports that he covers or the sports stories of the day he'll talk about the jazz when the jazz are playing he'll talk about hockey when that's going on he talks about different things minor stories major stories he weighs in on all of it on twitter and on throughout this whole week past two weeks or whatever it's been he's mentioned it like twice he's tweeted about everything yeah. except for this you know what i was and, thinking about do, do you remember when when uh jeff kassar was fired and he had jeff kassar on trevor did you hear that like back in the day i th- i no I remember I'm, gonna, that I'm gonna say comfortably no but i th- i think i remember that it happened he was like desperate for for Jeff Kassar to say bad things about the organization back then. And I remember yeah, that's another uncomfortable. So I was like, what what changed? Really, that's another thing about this whole thing with Spence being weird. Is years ago, he he didn't like relish dogging on RSL, but you could tell he had like contempt for the organization. Yeah, you could tell absolutely. he didn't like it. Whenever he talked about it, it was always in kind of derogatory terms. Everybody and he didn't I, like to talk about it unless he could talk about it in those terms. I, yeah, I, feel it, like. I don't know about you guys, but I always chalked that up to like just sour grapes from his dad no longer being the owner. Which yeah, like, and that's fine. With me. I, I don't that's, really care. Fair. I was like, Spence can do Spence that's, stuff or whatever. Yeah, that's his perspective, and it's a fine and fair perspective. But now you finally get a chance to talk about it and yeah like ah, it's all ridiculous and it's i feel like it's just simply a lot more of the same thing like he's just afraid that deloy is his boss and is still his boss and may continue to be his boss there's the second piece that he mentioned in the first i think the interview before the first deloy or the sorry the second deloy interview did that day but the first one spence where he said that like he was very grateful that Deloitte gave him another chance because Spence yep. got another DUI and he didn't go to prison or jail or anything. Um, but he he was able – I think he probably feels indebted to Deloitte for keeping him as a as – a, Or for bringing him on. That, so he was at 1280 when that happened, oh, right? Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. So when he had the show with Gordon, that was on 1280, right? Yeah. Okay, and then he lost. Okay, so that was when he probably when he interviewed Jeff Kassar was when he was at twelve eighty. Yeah, exactly. That makes a lot more sense. Um, yeah, off, off topic a little bit, but that was a really good interview from Jeff Kassar back in the day. It was a good one. It was a classic. It made me like Jeff a lot more than yeah. I mean, because I, I he was a very frustrating person to be the head coach. And I think that was it wasn't his fault, really. Um, I think we've talked about how when you at, when you make the jump to head coach, it's kind of like um, it's kind of like you it's it's definitely a make or break situation where you may have been in the organization for a really long time. But once you're head coach, you're either head coach or you get fired and you're no longer in the organization. So I think I, I did kind of feel bad for Jeff the way he it, it kind of all happened and the situation he was put in. Cause I think he was in over his head, but when given the chance to say bad things about the organization, he definitely did not, uh, in yeah. that interview. So that did make me, make me like Jeff. And at the time made me really not like Spence cause it was just weird, um, and uncomfortable, but yeah, so he's, he's back <laughs> doing yeah. Spence stuff, I guess, but just the opposite way. I think this is a great transition point, but do you guys have anything else to add here before we move on? 
Great. Speaking nothing, of, well, no, <laughs> nothing nice to say, so I'll just not say anything at Basically, all. Basically, we're looking at new ownership. New ownership is is coming in hot. At, I mean, in the somewhat near future, and Deloitte Hansen is obviously going to be gone, and it's almost absolutely certain that Andy, that Andy Carroll is going to be gone. And the person who's currently running RSL, um, what's his name? I can't remember. Jim something, I feel like. <laughs> I remember it was just an old white guy name. It's, a- <laughs> <laughs> it's I've forgotten it because he said that John Kimball. Yeah, John Kimball. I was so close. <laughs> John Kimball, back from the old days, he's been working for the Miller organization, the Larry H. Miller group for a while, um, but he's on loan to Real Salt Lake to um, kind of bridge the gap, which has led to a lot of probably correct speculation that the Millers are going to be in the ownership in one way or another. Um, A group situation with more owners um, is probably, I think, going to be more likely, but I guess we'll see. So he's bridging the gap and Andy Carroll is on official leave um, due to the myriad of stories that have come out about how terrible of a person he is. My last comment here is... Uh, Deloitte Hansen did not comment for a Salt Tribune article uh, that detailed even more allegations about both of them. Um, Andy Carroll said he was, what was it he said? He was looking forward to the the truth coming out, um, which is just astounding. Yeah, and um, in the background here, MLS has been doing thorough investigations with a lot of people. Um, over the years, people who are here now, people who have, were here in the past and have been long gone. Um, so I don't think Andy is going to want the truth to come out and maybe it won't ever, the full extent of it certainly won't ever come out. But like, I don't even know if the MLS stuff is going to come out. But it, regardless of what happens, there's no way Andy Carroll is going to be involved in RSL moving forward. Um, it's just not going to happen. Is there, so, yeah. Has there ever been a scenario where somebody has been in hot water for one reason or another, and they have said, I can't wait for the truth to come out. (laughs) And it's actually like exonerated them. Like it's come out and people have been like, oh yeah, we were totally wrong. You're a perfect little angel. Like that's never happened, right? Yeah. Um, There's no way. And anytime the truth comes out, it's always like, oh, it's so it's way worse. Yeah. You can't have this much bad, bad publicity about someone like Andy Carroll and keep him within the organization. It's just, there's, it's impossible. Yeah. John Kimball um, has reinstated pay for all the people who took cuts uh, since coronavirus. Yeah. So good. That's sorry. There's still furloughed employees, but there are still furloughed employees, but for the ones that are, um, and I think Andy Williams is probably still furloughed. I really wonder what's going on there. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of figuring out how to, you know, cross that when you get there. But but something uh, that is very optimistic. Yeah, he he does, and I think that's important to note that not only Andy, but a ton of other former RSL people or people who have cared about RSL over the years are very optimistic and very happy about the direction things are going, um, and very uh and wish to come back if they are offered the opportunity to so yeah hopefully we see some um old friends who got away that um get to make their way back and uh yeah Ned Grabovoy, please ned Grabovoy in particular would be good okay so uh the last item on notes and news 
for now. Who knows? Uh, the night is young. Anyway, uh, it was supposed to tie in when we started talking about Jeff Kassar and head coaches. It was a good transition, yeah. Yeah, Sorry. We, um, we all collectively killed it. It's fine. Um, Freddy Juarez has been linked with Liga MX side Puebla. Weirdest thing ever. And the weirdest way to learn about it. So tonight was our game against um, LAFC. And Brian Dunseth just kind of said it. Like on the broadcast. <laughs> yeah. Like this is a rumor I've heard. Yeah. Which is so weird. Like that. Oh, it's my favorite when commentators do it. Taylor Twelman does that all the time where he's just like, he does, oh, by the yeah. way, here's this scoop that I know that's maybe a rumor. Yeah. And then like an I hour later, it's totally that. confirmed. Yeah. I do like that for some reason. But it, it's weird to hear it on. It's on our broadcast team dynamic is so funny because on one hand, you got DJ who is just gets giddy like a child at the sight <laughs> of uh, Andrew Putna a drop kick where he kicks it to the opposing team 18 he's like Woo, look did you see how big that kick was and Brian Dunseth's like oh yeah Escondido California what a great place to grow up uh, <laughs> you know Freddie Juarez he's being li- he's linked with Puebla and Dr- Giuseppe Rossi he picked up a knock last game that's why he's not in the 18 but here he's rising like a salmon down the Mississippi River and just he's heading the ball in and DJ's mixing up all the black players can't tell who's who on the field apparently it's just it's tough it's funny it's a it's a really interesting <laughs> team that is, we've got there. That is oh. so perfect kyle <laughs> you nailed it's, both characters completely what was so funny today also is that brian dunseth he said some something about like um He's back to doing the drinking with Dunny thing, except there's no drinking game. It's just like he says ridiculous things. So he, he, went, on, he went on in the mid broadcast, talked about whether it was OK or not to take your shoes off on an airplane because he said, <laughs> you know, like sh- he shut that down. Like the, the flight attendant yelling at someone for taking their shoes off on the airplane. And then they went on like a two or three minute tangent where DJ was explaining the concept of why Brian Dunseth says ridiculous things on the broadcast. And it's because of Twitter. And it's so funny that like, I, I, honest, I, I love it. I do too. It's really great. I, I think it's, I think it's funny. I'd really rather listen to our, I think we have very, we're, we're lucky with the commentator team that we have. I miss Bill Riley sometimes, but, um, D- uh, DJ is just such a dork in a cute way that I kind of like it now. <laughs> Trevor, you were going to say something. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I I know this is kind of a tangent, but not really. I know that a lot of people don't like DJ and haven't liked DJ, and fair enough. But all the reasons that people give for not liking DJ are all the reasons that I love DJ, and it's just everything you said. Like he's just kind of a dork. And but he, he's fun. He's fun to listen to. He is fun. <laughs> he he's just having such a good time calling a soccer game and talking to Dunny, who like he, he, who he I thinks is work- the coolest person ever. Yeah, like, exactly. You can tell he just thinks Dunny is like this world traveling savant with like who wears Air Jordan sneakers with a suit. And DJ wishes he could do that. And he never will be able to. But he he doesn't. You know, it doesn't make him sad. It just makes him happy that he gets to hang out with Brian Dunseth and they just get to do this together. It's- I feel like the RSL games are the first chance for David James to, like, not be a stiff. 
Totally. And he loves it because like that's what he's been for the last 10 years before he was at ours. He was just a stiff sports guy on yeah. the cleanest cut channel <laughs> in the cleanest cut state. Like that's what he was. And now he has a chance yeah. to just be fun and let his hair down. And I love it. <laughs> but no, I was going to yeah. say I've, I've now that Tony is bringing back this drinking with Dunny thing, which isn't a new thing. And I know he's not, calling it drinking with Dunny, but I feel like that thing was killed by somebody else. Uh, some higher power was killed because mm. it was super popular. People loved yes, it, it was. when it was a thing that he was doing. And then all of a sudden he was just like, okay guys, well, we're not doing this anymore. So I can't really participate. And now that the ownership is gone and Andy Carroll's gone, all of a sudden he's like, Hey guys, what funny phrases should I try to work into the broadcast? Yeah. <laughs> I know. And we so got funny. Rob Ford at a buffet in like week two. I love that. That was yeah. good. Rob Ford at the buffet was a classic, um, which I think he's used before, but I'm glad he he, he, has. he, he reprised the the comment. But yeah, so he did drop the Freddie Juarez being linked with Puebla, which is so odd to me. Not necessarily that he dropped it, but like, I mean, Freddie's, Freddie hasn't been, he hasn't been the like, he hasn't been our actual coach for more than he's like been a for like season. 15 games, right? Like he was yeah. like, it's been a calendar um, year since he took over, but like, yeah, um, but it's, it's not that many games that he's been a head coach no. of any team Damn. above the Monarchs. So why yeah. would a Liga Emeki's team go for like an unproven MLS coach? I, just, I don't understand that. I have no idea. Um, so I think there are a couple factors here. Um, one, he's impressed yeah, uh, the way he brought RSL out of the Mike Peck era, well, I think was noticed. Um, two, now that it's it's clear, kind of what restrictions he was working under, I think it's it's easier for people to see the value. And I don't know if that's playing into his public perception, um, but it certainly plays into my perception a little bit. Same. Uh, um, and then I think the other thing is that he uh, he's obviously a fluent Spanish speaker. Yeah, and. Uh, has experience outside that league and i think that makes a difference too in i mean it's it's not a league where coaches stay in a long time so you're gonna run out of options at some point so you gotta find new people are Mm -hmm. you talking about the mexican league now or mls mexican league okay all right yeah coaches are not always long-lived there right no but they they kind of suffer from a little bit of the same problem that we have in MLS where it's not always the same coaches, but like there's kind of a rotating carousel of 25, 30 guys that almost always have a job or are ready to step into a job as soon as one's available. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's cool with me. I do hope, I don't know. I would like to see him stick around for, I know people, there are like, there's like a weird contingent of RSL fans who, we're very militantly against Freddie, but like I, I don't know contingent of RSL well. fans. <laughs> but like I don't know. Learn like knowing what we've learned about the organization over the last year, especially I. It's and how difficult of a place this has been to work. I. I'm just really grateful that this club hasn't completely collapsed to being really really terrible 
like, yeah, I, yeah. I, how did that happen? Like, I have, have we, no idea. We've because, hired like very green GMs who've never done the job. Uh, our, you know, our soccer VP is not like a soccer guy long term. He was a lawyer who worked for Deloitte Hansen. Uh, our coaches have been like MLS rejects or like first time coaches. And somehow we've like pulled out of tailspins repeatedly. It's very strange. I it feel like it so speaks odd. a lot to everybody at the organization that isn't Deloitte and Andy Carroll. Yeah. Like, I mean, because Co- coaches, players. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, and we've seen in the past couple of weeks, there's a lot of really good reasons to like this team and to like the people behind the scenes. They all do really great work. And it just seems like in the past several years, all of that work has just been hamstrung by seemingly Deloitte and Andy Carroll. It's just they're the ones that have been making it hard for good people to do good work. And now it's. And I mean, we see that we've got good people with the organization. Yeah. And I mean, we didn't mention it before, but we've heard from many people who still work there who are very happy with um, with the fact that Andy is gone and DeLoyer is gone. Um, and I think a good example we saw, I think it was our last home game. Um, like, so part of the things that came out about Andy Carroll was like how he how despairingly, uh, disparagingly he talked about the Utah Royals and the women on that team and how he just viewed them um, very misogynistically, but uh, refused to promote players who he didn't deem attractive. Right. And like, yeah. So, and then, you know, the next home game we have after that, all of our players show up in Royal in Royals gear and our team social is promoting that heavily. So like, I think, um, and obviously you kind of need to do that to show that like there's distance between you and this person. But I, I don't know. I, I think, as we know, there are good people who are still there. Um, and I think they are, are, are happy and proud and relieved in a lot of senses. But, yeah, it certainly does speak to the resolve of everyone who is there. Um, our, our players, I, I, I don't I want I'd be curious to know the role that like someone like Kyle Beckerman has played um, over the last couple of, or few years he had a really interesting comment where he said like there are owners in this team or in this league who want to win and i'm excited to have an owner who like wants to win essentially so i same same (laughs) as well so i i don't know like i I, i'm i would love if some if kyle when he's done is willing to talk about this era when we have a little bit of time um between what's going on and like a new ownership group i would love to hear some of the stuff that has kind of the pressures that the team has had to deal with and kind of the things they've had to ignore in order to to play because um i mean since all this deloy stuff has happened uh i mean it's been it's been kind of we've had some funny games but some good performances and just like yeah it's uh i'm glad to see the resolve of the team yeah it's uh it's a good reminder of like why we care about Real Salt Lake, right? Yeah, it, it, it's obviously not the business side, and it will never be the business side um, for many, many reasons. Uh, but the playing side, and it's we've we've had good people who've shaped it, and uh, despite the best efforts of people involved, it's still around, and we still have a at least a modicum of that culture. Absolutely, and, uh, 
it's it's surprising. Like I had convinced myself that RSL was you know dead basically to uh yeah in an inelegant term. I think we were yeah and you know Sam Stage School talked about this but like the way that everyone did know that this that this stuff was happening but like everyone had this feeling and everyone knew it to be true that the stuff that we knew about on its own wasn't really enough to make the change that needed that 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 wasn't going to force the change and what did end up forcing the change was just an insane sequence and series of events which was a, a really horrific shooting in kenosha that led to the nba players striking that led to the mls players striking that led to deloy getting mad and going on the radio and saying a bunch of stuff let's stop there for one second i think it's really important important here to point out the role andy carroll played in that oh um, yes because are you talking about where he said like the worst thing that i've seen attributed to him yeah what was it what was it trevor where he i think it was in the solid tribune article um somebody was talking about andy carroll's reaction to um the player striking was to basically say, and I'm going to get the exact quote wrong, but it's something along the lines of we're over the black lives matter movement. Nobody in Utah cares about it. 2% of the population is black. So why does, why do we care about black lives matter in this state? Like, why are we doing this? We're over it was basically his reaction to it, which is, yeah, like, morally reprehensible. Yeah. Yeah. if, If he said that, like, it's no wonder that that's the tipping point for somebody like Andy Williams to come forward and be like, all right, I'm done. I don't care. Like I can't deal with this anymore. Like, yeah, oh, that so thing, it, it took, when I read that, that these... was the thing that made me the most mad. And I've read yeah. everything else that he said. And mm-hmm. that like, it's just a horrible thing to say on that, so many I different mean, levels. That was reflective of how Deloy also talked about how like this, like the players cared more about a national issue than they cared about the, the community issue or, or whatever to talk like as if police violence again is something that doesn't happen in Salt Lake. And since this has happened, like the police just shot that 13 year old autistic kid, uh, several times and he's in the hospital right now. He was white, but I mean, this is also about like, unaccountable police violence so for them to talk like this is something that that we can't care about locally it was just oh man but so it's it's all these this chain event that led to all of the stuff being able to culminate for a perfect moment where it's like okay now's the time to like let it all loose and like you said matt like this is something that kind of we've until that moment, we had kind of just accepted that this is just going to be how it's going to be. Like we, we had a meeting with Andy Carroll and I asked him, I said like, what's the plan when, cause I mean, whatever. I mean, a lot of this stuff is not, not on the record, not, not off the record anymore, but I was genuinely curious because Andy talked about Deloitte wanting to like, he, he doesn't, he's, he's not trying to wait around. Like he, he wants stuff to happen soon and fast and now or whatever. Cause he doesn't have all the time in the world. So I was like, what, is, I mean, he's getting older. What is the end? Like, what does he view his, his, the ending of his tenure? What does that look like? And he's like, well, he's not that old. He'll be wrong for a while. So I didn't get an answer there, but I was like, is in my mind, I'm like, is that what we're waiting for? And to, like, for, for this club to be good, to be great again, as it were, like, are yeah. we, sorry um, uh-huh. like i know i know um but like is that what we're waiting for is for him to just eventually bow out and 
Um, so this all came as a pretty crazy shock, but um, yeah, I mean, it was like a week before this happened, right? Yes, absolutely. I think it was um, last night. I thought we met with them like on a Saturday and this all happened we, on the Wednesday or on Thursday the first, following. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. Um, the timing of that was absurd and I don't fully understand how that lined up the way that it did, but um, especially because that was supposed to be an increasing of transparency between the FO and the people who write about the team. So, but yeah, um, again, this, I mean, this, all of the stuff that was going on and everything, I'm, I'm very happy that we have the team that we have and the players that we have, and we have, um, good leaders on the team, it turns out, and people who have held the club together in some capacity, despite the challenges, um, yeah. So, should we talk about the games that we've we've seen? Oh yeah, were let's, there games? Let's talk there, about some, some of games. them. Okay, so we did play Man, uh, Minnesota United in Minnesota, which is our new Texas, and we can't win there. We did end up getting smoked. We played a pretty wild lineup with a diamond uh, midfield. Um, Justin was playing. Sorry. Trevor, did you watch that one? Or were you I, playing no, I did the whole time. I did watch that one, and it was. Oh. Yeah, it was it was a bad game. I mean, I didn't watch it. Yeah, no, it was it was not a game that I watched incredibly carefully. Kind of, you see the lineup, and it's like straight up B team, like for sure yeah. B team, except with the exception Giuseppe of Rossi did start. Yeah, right. But as and I don't think Giuseppe Rappi is a B team player, but as yeah, this team has been, yeah. he's a B team player on this team. The only player that wasn't, I think, was Natum and Gusnack. Glad didn't play. It was Natum and Holt. Glad was there. Oh, right Glad back. was on the right back. You're right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sorry. So I'm our, thinking of the our center defensive back line was weird. Yeah. And our defensive line was weird. And as a substitute. Yeah. Who, then who am I thinking of? There was somebody. The only, that, the only regular starters were Glad and Natum. Okay. Um, I believe. Yeah. It, it, anyway, yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely one. a game where the lineup kind of dictated a lot of what was going to happen. There's. Charles, we love Charles, started putting out a whole bunch of stats after the game, and all of them were terrible. Um, mm-hmm. Just about how often we score when one player is on versus when they're off and all of that. And yeah, those stats carry a lot of weight, kind of. Not so much now because I think they're on kind of a small sample size, but also it's what happens when you have the B team. Like every player yeah. gets brought down and plays – worse because of the players around them like if you don't have good players around you you're not going to be a good team and the whole team is going to suffer because of yeah. it and i think that's just what we saw so and i don't think there's a whole lot of analyzing that we have to really dig deep into on this game i think the only i think the piece that's that interesting reason. is that giuseppe rossi had a goal that was taken away or it, it wasn't called so basically he scored a goal that went over the line yep and we don't have goal line technology and video assistant referee couldn't make a determination i guess they didn't and have the angle they said they said didn't it was have the angle inclusive which how do we not have if we don't have goal line <laughs> technology why is there not a goal line camera like they have yeah. gopros inside the goal posts yeah but that's only for like espn broadcasts like espn puts those cameras up i it's insane that we or maybe it's have, fox it's somebody but why it's, would you it's not a have a goal line if you have a video assistant referee why would you not have a goal line angle i have no idea it's insane what's <laughs> insane that's to like, me is goal line technology was a thing before video assistant referee it was a thing before we don't and have it, that it still. worked way better nobody's yeah. ever been like oh this doesn't work and also Do, 
goal line technology, if I remember right, they, there was reporting on the financing of it like years ago, but it was cheaper to implement goal line technology than it is to implement VAR in every stadium. And they still decided to not do goal line technology and do yeah. VAR. And it's a system that is 50-50 at best at this point, right? Yeah. Well, if they don't have the angle, then like... Yeah, like, exactly. On I mean, like that, like, an angle on the broadcast. Yes. Like, that's the, the kicker for me. That really is. Well, uh, so the, the thing that's interesting to me about that game is, so it's 0-0 zero, zero and Giuseppe Rossi has this goal. Wait, did we have a goal that was called back as well? We did. We two goals that were called back. Yeah, so throughout the one game, we had the two. One that, one that was the one that wasn't called, and then we did have one that was a we goal. Had, that we had two that were called back for offside, right? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So I think we, the one, the first one that was offside was like we saw it, and it was like, hmm. Not that offside, right? Okay, so we, I mean, we slightly theoretically we could have had three goals: two, two win against our against us because of VAR, and one was just not called because they didn't have the angle. Um, yes. So, and then we ended up losing like one to four or zero to four. Yeah. Yeah. We, so, we fell apart, and then uh, turns out Tate Schmidt is not a great left back. No. At this, level, at this point, and he Eric Eric has got a ways to go too. Yeah, Justin uh, Glad is not a great right back defensively i actually thought he played the attacking part of it kind of like a, a slightly more physical tony beltran um, uh, yeah lots of little interchanging plays i thought it was it was very nice um but he fell apart on defensive spacing uh and just completely collapsed it and it was very very bad that way which is weird because he's a very good defender too i don't know what to yeah. make of that, but it was a bad game that way yeah the whole All defensive line was just terrible in the second half should we talk about zach mcmath yeah let's why not let's Um, talk about zach versus putna uh oh yeah uh how about let's talk about that after we talk about tonight's game okay all right uh significantly different game who wants to introduce this lovely little thing Probably not me. I was watching the okay. game, but like halfway. So I was I was weirdly confident about this game. I was on record claiming a three-one victory for RSL. Um, I did the, the uh, Matt Montgomery special, claimed a three-one, um, both in Slack and text with a couple of friends, and um, pleasantly, I, I felt weirdly confident about it. LAFC's had a really weird. Um, season so far they uh most recently lost to the galaxy but then blew out san jose and lost to seattle or something before that i can't remember um so i i don't know it, and mark anthony k had a red card coming into this game and so no carlos vela um no atuesta in defense um but they still have very dangerous players on their team and I think they showed that tonight. So we went in with our normal lineup that we've been playing for a little while um, where uh, Demir has been playing in the midfield with Pablo Ruiz, um, it's, which is interesting to me that Everton's kind of um, out of the starting lineup for now, which um, is very odd in a way, but it's great to be able to bring him in as, as a sub, but that speaks to how good our midfield's been when like Pablo Ruiz has made a gigantic step since we saw him before Austria. Um, and he's a fantastic box to box midfielder and defensive midfielder. Um, and same with Demir Krylock. He's way better coming out of the midfield. Um, Albert Rusnak was playing on the wing uh, across from Justin Miram. And then we had 
Wait, was it Corey up top? I, I actually don't know. We had tonight. Yeah, we had Michael Chang on the right. Michael Chang. Albert yeah. neck was. I mean, he was nominally center, oh, but sorry, he, he was playing our floating. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a very wide attacking midfielder when he when he plays there. Yeah, um, we do a lot of interesting interchange. So yeah, which I think is I I prefer Albert being at the ten and shifting to the wings when he does not being there all the time, and then. Um, Michael Chang and Corey Baird. Uh, Michael Chang is and and Justin Miram. Um, Michael Chang is the truth. <laughs> yes, he is yeah, so he is. good. <laughs> he is fantastic. He's been uh, the most. Uh, okay, this might be a little bit over the top, but I feel like he's the most impressive player this season. Yeah, him, he and, and, him and Pablo are the two, and I I like Michael Chang more. I, I understand the argument for Pablo. He's great, but I've been more impressed with Michael Chang this season than I have been with Pablo. Okay, you want to hear a wild stat from this game? Yes. Yes. Uh, Michael Chang had six key passes in the first half. Wow. Okay. Can you he also had none in the second half, but you know, six in the first half. How many key passes has Albert had all season? Is it six? Um, <laughs> he didn't have any tonight. Yeah. So, yeah, um, we went up really early with a Demir Krylock header on a really delightful cross from Michael Chang, um, which was great. We had a lot of chances in the first half. Um, uh, Albert missed a couple that I would have liked to see him get a better hit on. And, um, but we had some really excellent offensive play uh, in the first half. Um, the definitely the weakest spot in the first half was Donnie Toya. They were just smoking us on that side, but on on that on our left side. But our right side with um, with Michael with Michael Chang and uh, Aaron Herrera was just fantastic. Just really tough, and Aaron is just continuously being like a really solid player. So we, it was one zero at half. Um, we come out after half, uh, Justin Miram gets a nice little tidy goal, um, in the box after a weird little scramble from a free kick or maybe it was a corner. I can't remember. Um, it was a corner. And then we earned a penalty later in the second half from a handball, which was a good call. Um, one we didn't get against, was that Portland? It was basically the same thing. And then, um, Albert buried that one and uh, taunted the keeper a little bit after the keeper was taunting him as he was taking a shot. Uh, we have to talk about that. Uh, just watching, I forget the keeper's name already, um, but he, he was shifted over like, you know, 40, he was like 40% on the right, 60% on the left, like left a huge gap for Albert Rusnak to, you know, shoot into. Obviously with the goal that he would, you know, kind of hop over and then dive. Uh, and it was it, it, one of the more main things I've seen from a goalkeeper in MLS. I know, and Albert just buried it, which was, he actually had a really good penalty there, and it was uh, collected and just it was good. And um, yeah, let's should we talk? Uh, Matt did write a seven winners and one loser from RSL's three zero win over LAFC article, so we could we I think that's I think our thoughts might match up with that pretty well, seeing as you wrote that. Yeah, I mean, I did call Donnie Toya a loser in the first half. He was uh, good in the second half. Yeah, I think he recovered really well. But that first half was extremely rough, and it's amazing we came out of that 1-0. 
Yeah, they yeah. they didn't have a center forward getting on the end of those. Sorry, Trevor. I was just gonna say, like, I, I give Donny Toya, well, and Aaron Herrera. Um, generally speaking, any team that plays against LAFC, like that's their style. That's how they attack, is up the wings, and they're going to beat you several times. Like, so I don't really want to dog on Donny Toya a lot because he's just gonna get beat because that's what they're trying to do is beat the wing. Yeah. The fact that Aaron didn't get beat that many times, I mean, he definitely did, but the fact that it was Donnie that got beat a whole lot, like like I said, like somebody's going to get beat. That team has way too much talent up top for us to like contain them. They're going to get through, and they had several good balls across the six. They had several good crosses. Um, they got behind the defense often, but like that's what they do. So against L.A., not that big a deal to me if Donnie Toya lets him go past, not lets him go past, but if they get past Donnie Toya a couple of times, I yeah. I just feel like it might be a little bit harsh to center on those guys when that's how LA plays. They're going to beat those guys no matter who they play. Yeah. I mean, I would like to think we have a better defense than the Galaxy do currently. And um, I did catch part of that game and the Galaxy – were a bit more soft. Yeah, it's hard for me to say. I thought there were some some where Donnie was losing. Like I'm okay with like some mistakes here and there, but he was losing a lot of focus. He was losing his guy, and um, the way Donnie kind of drifts off uh, off sometimes it seems where he kind of just loses focus. There's just a little too much of that still for me. Um, And I, as a noted Donnie head, I think um, I've just been not super impressed with him over like <laughs> yeah. since since the MLS is back tournament since he got subbed out for Ashton Morgan and then oh. Ashton oh, Morgan. No, it, was, uh, it was the other one um, the other Alvin Jones oh, it was Alvin Jones two yeah. A's sorry even though uh, Alvin Jones is a right back and Ashton Morgan yeah. is a left back and yeah I know oh, and he immediately gave up a penalty so I don't know it's. Left back's always been a weird position for our uh, our our club. I feel like we haven't. When's last time we had a really good left back? Have uh, we? Chris ever, Winger. Uh, when's yeah. the last time we had a really good left back? Just kidding. oh, so um, not Chris Winger. <laughs> yeah, when he was forced to play on the left. Well, and Aaron Herrera when he was forced to play on the yeah. left. Um, <laughs> I don't. Demar Phillips was fun. Demar, <laughs> Demar uh, Villas was certainly fun. Abdullah Mansali was fun. We, we we tried Pablo Ruiz at left back. I don't know. It's that's oh, always that was a bad experiment. <laughs> Center forward and left back for me have always been. I mean, other than our an insane center backs saga where we couldn't find anyone to play center back forever, but um, left back and center forward seem to be a, a weird sticking point for us. Remember when Nick Beasley was playing ahead of Neda Monoha? I, oh my I will God. never forgive Mike Pecky for that. <laughs> Why did I'll you have to put that story. memory back into my brain? This is was, this is the reason we podcast. This oh is. my God, Nick is. Oh, um, yeah, that's really too bad. <laughs> I, I wish that <laughs> hadn't happened. Yeah, I mean, but, it kind of gave Nick Beasley the short shrift too. Like, yeah, didn't get a chance to play in his normal position, even though we needed people there. Nope. Yeah, it was. Uh, Mike Pecky was not a very good coach. No, he was no, awful. He I I think he may have destroyed Brooks Lennon's Brooks Lennon's Brooks, Brooks Lennon's, Lennon's career. 
career. Uh, that's the word you were going for. Pablo Ariza's career, right? He almost destroyed Pablo Ariza's career. And I think, think that's an interesting story that came out through Andy Williams in the last couple of weeks. Is that uh, he tweeted this one out in the thread? It was great. Um, but Pablo Ariza oh. was uh, being scouted by like Manchester United, um, which surprised me. Um, yeah. And they came to watch him three times. Um, and one time he was a late substitute. The other two times he was, he did not dress and was in the stance. Like just, like how do you, how do you, oh, sorry, as an organization, how do you have scouts from Manchester United come? Like there had to be Mike Pecky had to like, not know that that was a thing. Right. That's the yeah, only, well, that's the only excuse. Thing, but there is stated goal is that you want to sell players as we were told. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my God. So, right. Mike Pecky had to just like not know that there was a scout, which is inexcusable to not know that there's a scout for one of your players. Or they just had to be like, no, we want to keep this kid or no, we'd rather win the game than abide to our model that we've uh, developed and ascribed to and has said is the way forward for this team. Like how are you that bad as, as a coach, as an organization that like, that's just United is coming to scout one player and you're like, Oh, how many games are you going to be here for? Three? Well, we're not going to play him for those three games. I'm convinced Pecky was thinking he was playing for the game. Um, But when you have a talented young player who is fit and ready to play, you generally want to play them. Like, that's how you develop players, right, is you give them minutes. Especially if, like, it's a coach that clearly doesn't like playing the kid. Like, you want that guy off your team. So put him out there in front of the scouts. Let the scouts buy him. He's off your team. He's not your problem anymore. Like nothing about that makes sense to me. Oh, when I read that story, that made me so mad. Yeah. Uh, You can't tell. Like I'm still heated about it four days later. Yeah. I mean, Andy did talk about how lucky that they've gotten with since he was barely able to scout some of the players. He mentioned specifically like Everton getting really lucky with Everton, getting lucky with Demir. Um, But like, yeah. Wait, and is his name is it Pablo or Paolo? I think it's Paolo. I don't know why. I uh, think it's isn't it spelled Paolo, but Brian Dunseth went on another one of his like I promise you it is pronounced Pablo. No, no it's, it's the opposite of that. It's it's it's, it's written Paolo. Pablo. It's written as Pablo, but it's it's pronounced Paolo, right? Yeah. He's okay. where is he from again? He's from Argentina, but I I because I heard um I heard RSL show guys say Paolo. So I assume that's right. Which is so, I mean, how am I supposed to know that Pablo, P-A-B-L-O, is pronounced Paolo? I mean. I believe he was born when I was 12. He's only 20. He's only 21. Yeah. I forgot about that. And he scored nine goals for Pingzhou? Yeah. Yeah, dude. He was pretty good over there. Wow. And oh, we we did fail to mention his really good goal for us where he just had a banger from distance and uh and it it, it would have gone in even without that slight touch. The, the ball the spin on the ball didn't change, so. Yeah. Um, so uh, another interesting story I've been told recently uh is that um we've obviously had the chance to sell multiple young players. Um, and we also know, know that Deloy Hansen um, was very involved in player transfers. So like the, you know, the Piatek rumors were proven out. 
Um, but it sounds like it was Deloy Hansen that said, I don't want that guy. Uh, which, like, say what you will about his record in Serie A after, like, after going to Milan. Or, yeah, that team. Which Milan was it, Trevor? AC, right? He went to AC Milan and he was lights out for an entire season and he was the greatest player in the world for a year. And then he was garbage for six months. Milan got rid of him. And I think he's playing for, oh, shoot, who's he playing for now? He, well, yeah, Somebody, so he and he's not very good anymore. But for so any, a year, he was the best striker on the planet. Like, he was. And I'm, his price skyrocketed. Like, we could have turned a very tidy profit yeah, if Milan, he done well MLS. Milan bought him from Genoa, Genoa. wherever yeah. he went, for like 35 million euro. Which yeah, I, yeah. And I know buying from... Buying oh, from an Italian a, team is going to be more expensive than buying from MLS, but we, come on. Yeah. I, <sighs> anyway. His goals, I mean, that, that, that second season at Milan is interesting, um, but his goal scoring at um, Genoa and then he's already, I mean, he's got four at Hertha, but his goal, he at um, Krakowia or whatever in, in Poland, yeah, he had 32 goals and 63 appearances. Yeah. It's, that was... That was when we were, I think the story that I'm told, that's when we started, that's when we started um, scouting him and we gave him an offer at the end of his contract and it was better than the offer from Genoa. He was going to sign it. And then Deloitte or Mike or whoever the hell was like, no, we don't want him. So then he signed for Genoa and he was lights out for Genoa. And then he got sold to AC Milan for like 35 million something. And then he was lights out for them. And then he went to garbage and now he's in germany this is so, so piazek has been described as a quote classic number nine striker yeah. most efficient inside the opponent's penalty area courtesy of his excellent positioning accurate finishing height physical strength and tenacity in the aerial physical challenges with opponents can't yep. even imagine us having a player a center forward that does that can be described in any of those words yeah <laughs> so, uh, so so we know that the hansen meddled right yeah uh, heavily um, I've been told that he blocked a transfer for uh, Justin Glad at one yeah. point a few years ago. Um, they would have turned a tidy profit. Um, I know there have been other players. You look at his relationship with Joe Plata uh, and how much he like very visibly loved the guy. Um, and then you look at the fact that Plata kept signing for the team and not playing and not being transferred. Like and rumors about transfers coming out and right several offers from other teams. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you look at those things and it becomes pretty clear. Like, I don't know. I don't remember where why I got started on this, but he's, clearly he's Glow Hansen was did not do good things for the first uh, Paolo Ruiz. Oh yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, the the meddling in that way, but like just the complete disconnect between the the ownership and the business side or the front office or whatever and and Mike Petke, for example, just in its like the Plata thing was so weird. He yeah. played like barely at all in three seasons, um, <laughs> but kept sticking around and we kept not selling him, which now just we know good offers, was, right? Yeah, and we know who is controlling those sales or potential sales. So, just really, really weird and 
awful stuff. Um, but yeah, very happy that uh, Ruiz is still here or back, I guess, from Austria because um, he was fantastic again tonight. He did have a pretty gnarly whiff on a ball that he could have buried, but it's all right. He was good. He was yeah. really good. Um, yeah, so I, one of the unexpected ones, I think, um, was Andrew Putna. Yeah. We, we said we were going to talk about McMath versus Putna. And Perfect time. Achoa, who Achoa did start for the Monarchs tonight. In, they won 3-1, I believe. Four. Um, oh, they scored a fourth? Oh, yeah. yeah. Nice. I like that. Um, so, and Achoa, supposedly, another thing that Brian Dunseth said is that he's going to be getting an RSL look soon. Um but that is going to require a 10-day quarantine after his last USL game, which he's going to play again uh, for the Monarchs, I believe, this Saturday. Yeah, they've got three and seven. So, Yeah, so maybe after that we'll see a show. So uh, let's talk McMath. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, the, where do we the, start? So, the scene Trevor that keeps Cal. coming to mind is Goodwill Hunting, where Robin Williams is just like, it's not your fault, like over and over and over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like McMath is not a bad keeper. He's not like lights out. He's not a terrible keeper, but he looked terrible again. Who? Oh, oh shoot. Minnesota? Man. Minnesota. He yeah. looked terrible. But I mean, if you want to like break down each of those goals, I don't have them in front of me, so I'm not going to give you specifics, but it was, I think three of the four goals were just straight up. Like he got hung out to dry. He was yeah. he was like one on one like three or four times and you you can't let your keeper get one on one that many fair. times and expect any kind of good results like that's all three of those shots were like an xg of 1.5 like of course they're going to score those yeah. yeah so anyway yeah McMath is not a bad keeper Putnam is not a bad keeper but neither of them are great and they're just two different keepers that have two different skill sets and I think we're starting to like be able to see the team adopt their play for each keeper and that's kind of fun yeah um so I I would I, I maybe McMath is a good keeper in some way um the the problem is I like I know he was hung out to dry on three occasions um, going one on one, but uh, he went one on one so intensely badly. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's true. But I mean, <laughs> I, like, like he like stood in front of the player and just sort of crouched and let them dribble around him, um, yeah. and like no motion, just completely no, frozen, and it was very disheartening. There was yeah. definitely some shades of what? What was? Years ago, when he played for Philadelphia, one of the biggest criticisms that everybody had of Zach McMath was that he was indecisive. Um, and they were mostly talking about like him coming for balls in the air, like balls across yeah. the six. He was not very good at deciding when to come and when to go. And when he would decide, he would usually decide the wrong thing. And that was always kind of seen as like a new young keeper, like learning things. And that's what he's bad at, but he'll get better at it. And he's got better at like, some of it sometimes but that was the kind of decision making that he really struggled with for a long time and i don't think he ever really got over it and i think that's really what kept him from being a starter over the last several years and i think that's kind of what we saw was yep. the just bad decision making but that, like i said his teams kept hiring really expensive goalkeepers <laughs> 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 but also like, like 
DP level goalkeepers. I think he's he's definitely the only player in MLS history to have been replaced by a designated player goalkeeper twice. <laughs> <laughs> Which is an incredible statistic. Yeah, that's great. Oh man, I, I can't I'm not, not going to look that up, but I, I I can almost guarantee that's true. Uh, well, uh, I mean, how many DP goalkeepers have there been in the history of MLS? I can think of two. And Embolly. Yeah, Embolly and, and uh, New York had one um, a while, like years ago, before yeah. Robles. I don't remember his yeah. name, but he was trash Didn't, too. I think the Galaxy had one with. Uh, um, was Pinedo a DP? Pinedo, maybe at the beginning. Um, no, they had that. Do you remember? We had an episode where I was trying to remember that like Italian goalkeeper or oh, it was an Italian oh, or French. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, and I looked it up afterwards and I completely, it blew yeah, me away I that I couldn't remember who he was. I think he was. I think, was, he like, was. I think you're right. He was like from like, he was from some, uh, one of the top five leagues. Um, so yeah, there's only been a handful. Mac- McMath's been on the short <laughs> yeah. end too. <laughs> um, yeah, I... I don't it's it's really it's it's hard to watch. I mean, Romando had some bad moments over his last few years, but like there was like a level of confidence that he went about some of the stuff he was doing that like that indecisiveness from McMath, you're like those one on ones where he just looked like a hockey goalie and they just like yeah. <laughs> skated around him and they I was just, just like, him. Ah. Yeah, when you would, I don't, I'd rather just see someone rush out and like throw their body at the ball or something. I don't yeah. know. But that's that's what I'm talking about. Like those decisions aren't being made by Zach McMath if the defense yeah. is good. If the defense yeah, that, that, is doing is their job, true. then it takes the decision out and he can just focus on shot stopping, which is what we saw from Putna tonight. And Putna's yes. a great shot stopper. If all he has to do is stop shots, he's pretty good at it. His it seems like he can't hold on to the ball on a lot of the yep. times. He's got uh, the cooking oil on his hands and it just slides right out. Like yeah. one of the first thing, first moment of the game, they had a corner that kind of fumbled around in the box and Putna kind of just like flopped his hand on it and he got fouled. But like, and it went right to someone right in the box that Natum was able to d- defend anyway. But. Yeah. He just, but he did have some really good saves tonight. Um, there was one a good diving save in particular in the second half that was impressive. But uh, he is a good shot stopper. Yeah, I, believe. He, um, I thought his distribution was was massively improved tonight. Indeed, <laughs> yeah. massively improved from zero. I mean, it well, was like point oh one. He was not kicking the ball out of. The, they were not. We were not playing out of the back, which I am very thankful for because. Yeah. He for all of back. for all of Natum's talent, I don't think that him playing back, I don't think him him playing facing our own goal was one of his strengths. Yeah, um, and he and Putna were a bad combination there when they they were just setting each other up for awful stuff. Um, I whatever last put, uh, what was was that the Portland game? Yeah, it was the yeah. Portland game where we kept making really stupid mistakes. Yeah. Um, that game, that was Putna's last game, I believe. And, uh, yeah, that was tough. So he was much to, uh, DJ's pleasure. was just booting the ball as hard as he could. And, um, we were getting in behind and sometimes I'm okay with a little, uh, route one. I yeah. suppose. So, so what's so different about that for me is that it was like, I think back to the Mike Peck here when we played route one, but much uglier somehow i don't know how you play route one 
that ugly. It was, it was very yeah. bad. Anyway, like it was always too like Demir Krylik who would try to get his head on the ball, right like, deep deep down the field. But we have we have stopped putting Krylik in those positions, um, which I think is really interesting because we used him as like that target even when he was playing in the midfield. He'd move into those positions. Right. Instead, we're not really focusing on his like heading ability. Uh, from the run of play, from set pieces, of course, like absolutely we'd be crazy not to, um, because he's a very good header of the ball. Um, but and he's super tall. But like from the run of play, we're actually trying. I mean, those passes are going like diagonally and wide, and yeah, the diagonal makes a huge difference because, yeah. especially with like with how high their line was playing tonight, like our wing, our wingers are very good. Justin, Justin, and Michael Chang are very. Are have a, a fantastic touch on the ball, so they're able to control those when they when the ball does get to them from from the goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the route one of the straight down the middle with Krylock trying to flick it on to someone was just unnecessarily complicated. But because of how like solidified our midfield has been, like I I, I like the the uh, additional threat that like playing diagonal from the goalkeeper poses that and like. F- you know, silly things like the super long throws, like mixing that in with like the, the better style of play that Freddie's brought has been, I think has made it really effective. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I just think, um, it's interesting that we're talking about it as a positive with Putna's distribution being basically just boot the ball down the field. Yeah. But I mean, historically, like that's been, not really a negative, but that's what we expect from goalkeepers is just to boot it. Um, and in the last couple of games, like it's worked out because we're like, for all the reasons you guys talked about, we're getting it to players who can control the ball and we're actually getting it to players. We're not just booting it down the field and, and chasing and hoping. But it's interesting to look at the difference between when we're playing it out of the back with McMath versus Putna, the ball doesn't go to Putna unless we're just trying to clear it out with McMath. He can play it to, he can distribute it to center backs and to outside backs and stuff with his feet. Defensive mids. And like, I think Demir being so much faster than someone like Kyle in the midfield, the midfield makes a big difference as being somebody you can play the ball to in the middle because um, Demir is a lot faster than Kyle. Kyle did get some time tonight. I think we're trying to get him to his 500th appearance. I think he's at 493. They said, yeah. We'll see how many red cards he gets before then. (laughs) Immediately gets a yellow card. I thought he, he looks old, but he looks healthy and having like, he's having fun. I'm glad he's um, fulfilling this new role. I like this uh, sub Kyle. So I actually really thought this was a fantastic performance from him. Uh, not because of like passing. I wrote about this, but yeah, yeah, yeah. passing or anything statistical. Uh, it's that he came on and immediately like completely rattled LAFC. Just like they lit were, they up were their wingers. Good, right? They were up 3-0 and they're, and they're still like challenging. They put Bradley Wright Phillips in and they were making yeah. some pretty dangerous attacks. Yeah. And he came and, in and like in the midfield. couple hard tackles. Uh, like just a, just that little mental game he brings, just completely flipped the script for LAFC, and uh, you know we were we were able then to I think pretty safely control the game and play someone like Jason Ramirez and like really kind of win, which is nice yeah. because it's yeah, been that was a very complete performance. We certainly yes, didn't um, 
I mean, there were they as like Trevor said, LAFC is a very dangerous team. They still just because Velo wasn't in, they have very talented players. Diego Rossi is um, one of the best attackers in the league, and um, they had some. They had a couple of good chances there at the end uh, or towards in the second half, probably sixty to the eightieth minute, and. Um, yeah, I was very pleased to see us keeping the pressure the entire time because we do have a lot of guys who want to prove themselves. Um, still, I think Justin Miram's feeling more comfortable and Corey has like found like a new... Uh, Corey was like, we were up 3-0 and he was still just like really verbally abusing the referee. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I, I'm, I'm very happy with the effort that Corey's been giving over uh, since the bubble, I suppose, or during the bubble and since then. But um, And then uh, Milan Olaski got his his uh, first MLS appearance in MLS home or uh, Real Salt Lake homegrown. Um, Jason Ramirez uh, finally back in the 18, got some time. And then there are guys like Paolo Ruiz who want to keep their spot. Everton came in, obviously wants to still be in the conversation for who should be starting, as he should be because he's a fantastic player. So um, I, there was certainly like a, a hunger that I uh, really like to see. And even when we're up 3-0 uh, in front of um, a one-fifth capacity stadium, um, yeah, it's cool. I like that. Yeah. So, uh, should we wrap this up with a with one last topic? Because we are we're approaching like an hour and a half, and oh, it's a long one. Yeah. It is a little bit of a long one. Yeah. We're making up for lost time. Yeah. Um, I'm curious what you both thought of our substitution patterns during this match, because I know there's been a sticking point at various mm-hmm. points for Freddy Juarez. So I'm curious: is that, does this signal something better? Is it coincidental? Like, what did you make of his substitutions tonight? Let me start off, Kyle. I'll pass it over yeah. to you real quick. Um, I didn't pay enough attention to the substitution <laughs> patterns to give a really good opinion on this one. I'm sorry. This I, was, I, like, what happened? This is stupid. My roommate came down and started yeah. talking to me. And when a roommate talks to me, he just, like, talks and talks and talks and talks. So I was. this was the part of the game that I was half watching. I saw that subs were made. I saw that Ramirez came on and Oloski came on. But I, I didn't really – I wasn't paying attention at that point. Sorry. Go ahead, no. Kyle. What did you think? You're good. Um, <laughs> I've, been, I've been very happy with uh, Freddie's subs since the Colorado game. I think he's done really well ever since then, which I was the one where we were down. Are we down 1-0 at half? That sounds right. We scored four in the second half. He put Michael Chang in at halftime. And because we're now allowing for five subs, um, but in three different stoppages, not counting halftime, um, it's like opened up this weird thing where Freddie is making a lot of I think really good substitution decisions. Um, and I was happy with tonight. I mean, I'm never a fan of like the sub someone in at the 90th minute so they can get four minutes of time. I, when he did that to Giuseppe Rossi, I think that was in the bubble. I almost (laughs) freaking ripped my shirt in half. Um, I hate that. I think it's disrespectful of the players, to be honest. I yeah, really don't like that, um, especially someone like Giuseppe Rossi. And the reason why I, I think it's disrespectful is because when I play FIFA and I'm playing Ultimate Team, I I think um, I always look at how many goals my players have and like a set number of appearances. And 
I assume players and like, I mean, that's kind of how we judge players. Um, we, we, like if we're looking at someone who as a, as a, as a prospective transfer target, we see their number of appearances and we see the number of goals they've scored in those appearances. Uh, and there are more in-depth tracking sometimes when it comes to like goals per 90 minutes, which is obviously a far more effective way of tracking that. But, um, I am always like Giuseppe Rossi's his appearance went up one and he had one minute of gameplay didn't touch the ball I thought that was disgusting but um yeah I I thought tonight was was pretty good I would have liked to see Jason get a little bit more time maybe but like um he came in at like the 80th I believe um yeah, which is fine 82nd okay um yeah, I liked the Everton substitution. I thought that was great. I think if he and Paulo Ruiz are doing this like kind of 70-30 or 65-35 split, I like that. Um Kyle came in. Yeah, I don't know. I like I don't I didn't feel like I needed to complain about it, which is a good thing. So What about you, Matt? What do you think? Yeah, I, I thought it was uh so I thought he and and he thought too that he waited too long against Minnesota United. Um, and left players in who were clearly gassed. Mm-hmm. Um, this time around, he was more proactive, um, which I, I think a good coach tends to be, in my view, uh, proactive instead of reactive. Of course, you still need to react to situations and you need to react to certain substitutions. Uh, and he was probably benefited by the fact that LA made three halftime substitutions, which. Yeah, that was wild. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, not what I expected, um, but that gave him a, enough time to kind of judge what the the pace of the game would be and and all that. Um, so I, I think it was it was good. Um, I think taking out Justin Miram was probably the right decision. Uh, Miram Martinez was, I, I think, good, um, but he's less of a winger, and I think uh, Corey Baird gets a little lost sometimes. Um, and so I, I don't know yeah. what to do there, Ben. I would have liked to see. Well, I mean, that is interesting. I don't know what to do there either. Douglas is not a good winger, I don't think. I mean, he's yeah. really fast. Um, and it, yeah, I don't. I I don't know what to do about that either. Um, I, I, I you kind of just got to put if you're going to put Douglas in, it's got to be for the, your center forward, I think. Yeah, uh, and and it's hard to say who was really playing center forward and we're kind of playing this weird hybrid formation where we, we don't mm-hmm. really have a center forward right now. Um, yeah, we're, we we're playing really well that way. And it's not what I would have expected. We saw this, um, that first home game against the Red Bulls. Um, I feel like when we were all there together, we noticed that, um, the way that Albert, Corey, Justin, and Douglas were all playing together. Also, I think it's funny how DJ always says, uh, Douglas Martinez Jr. He says his full name every time. Um, yeah. So I, it is interesting that we're playing this way. I, I mean, we're scoring, so that's good. I do. I, mean, I still want a true center forward, but hey, I mean, based on what the way our season has gone and what we have to work with at this point, I'm I'm pretty happy with with how that all is. I do. I I'm curious to see how these players fit in long term, or how long Justin Miram sticks around, for example, or Douglas Martinez Jr. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting, but. 
Yeah, I would have. Justin wasn't happy when he came out because I he he was having I thought a really good game. He had some really good chances in the first half. He's really good on the ball and he looks a lot more comfortable than he did in the bubble in particular. But uh, um, and his goal was really good. So. Yeah, fantastic goal. Yeah. Um. So we've got another game on Saturday. Yeah. I like I I like this. I like the schedule we're on. I don't know if the players like it, but I we can't have. Imagine. We have four home games in a row, starting with the one tonight. So we've got three more, I think, or maybe is it four more from now? And so I do we have the schedule yet for a no after next game? I don't think so. I wasn't able to find it, but Dunny said that on the broadcast. Oh, so, so I'm assuming they're front loading our games a bit because, I mean, aside from the Arctic blast that we had um, where it was like 30 degrees, oh. we're moving back into normal fall weather. Um, and the season's going to go into November of this year, or the reg- the regular season? I don't know. Uh, who, who knows? Who knows? The schedule's not out, but Dunny said we're going to November this year, and I think <laughs> he meant the regular season. So I think all of our – we're going to have a lot of away games um, in October and November, assuming the season continues. So um, Colorado, we get Colorado again. Yeah. Well, let's hope if we if we continue doing well, we could hit our uh, our goal in Major League Soccer of making the playoffs. So yes, that is our goal. <laughs> so uh, Colorado is really unhappy with their. They did win tonight, I believe. I think um, Abubakar scored a winner tonight. Yep, one one draw. Oh, he scored a tying goal. Uh, they were at yeah. home too, so they're probably not. That was probably I don't know how they're feeling. They're probably miserable still. They were so mad just in general when we beat them at home for one. Um, so yeah, I think we have their number this year. So I'd be, I, if if this isn't a really um, decisive win for us, I'd be a little disappointed. So, um, but yeah, what are we gonna see? Do, are we gonna see the Minnesota lineup again with our uh, our? B squad as Trevor so eloquently and affectionately called them. Yeah, what do you think, Trevor? I think we're. I mean, I think there's going to be some rotation for sure. I, there just like has to be. You can't play. What was it, like two or three games with the starters and then one without, and then now do that again. I don't think that's sustainable. I think there's going to be a lot more rotation. So yeah. hopefully, we see the good players start that we think should have started like Giuseppe Rossi and a few others. But yeah, I think there's going to be some amount of rotation. I don't think the entire, like entire team will probably rotate, but I think we'll see a lot of the players that have been playing a lot of the games, not play against Colorado. Yeah, it'll be uh, an interesting one for sure. I, I suspect because it's a, a home game, um, even though it's a quick turnaround, they don't have to worry about travel. Um, I suspect we'll see at least some of these players again, um, especially after the Minnesota game. Um, I think it's clear we need we can't do like a full flop rotation, right? Yeah, we've got to do you know at least intermix it. So we'll, we'll we, see. We gotta have our we gotta at least have Justin and. Natum playing in there. We gotta have Justin as a center back. No more yeah. Justin at right back. No, please. Um, yeah, we we I would think we're gonna keep our defensive line the same as this game. We can't. I I don't know. They didn't seem too overworked tonight. But who knows? I don't know what that looks like. Is 
Marcelo Silva, he's on the on the injury list, right? No, he was on the bench tonight. Oh, he was. Okay, so maybe we still see Marcelo Silva. Maybe we see Justin Glad. Um, maybe some um, some Alvin or some Ashton. Are they injured? Uh, <laughs> no, I think question. Chris Garcia is the only one on the injured list now, isn't he? Had, I think we had two. Well, unofficially, Rossi was on the injured list today, oh, but I'll not pull, the injured list. I'll pull, I'll pull it up. Yeah, we there was one other person other than Chris. Talk amongst um, yourselves. Let's see, Chris, 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 Chris. I wonder what Chris Garcia is up to. How old is Chris? Like he's 18, like nineteen, 17. I think. Seventeen. He's, he's young. He's a child. He's good. I really would like to see. Maybe we see Jason. Uh, he's not gonna. He's not gonna start. No way. Oh, um, I don't think so. I don't. I don't I think don't. so either. But I want it to be the case. So I'm gonna yeah, it into the universe. Yeah, why not? Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, Jason's gonna start. Um, pretty sure that I heard Freddie say that at the end of the game. Jason's gonna start. Maybe Everton um, starts. Everton's for sure gonna start. Giuseppe's going to start, and um, Justin and Silva, Sam Johnson's going to start as well. He's going to be playing the number nine right next to Giuseppe Rossi. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm just making predictions here. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Albert's going to be at the tip, and we're going to have Demir and Pablo um, on the – Paolo. (laughs) And then uh, Beckerman's going to be anchoring the diamond. That's my predicted starting eleven. Ackerman. Okay, interesting. I don't know if he can do it by himself anymore, but well, I, we I allow halftime substitutions. So players that are better. Yeah, what's I that? I think he can with players that are better around him. But you know, uh, after seeing Nick Beadsler and Everton Louise as the the shuttlers in that diamond, I I think it's clear we need somebody who can control the ball a little more. Um, Everton can do amazing things, but uh, he is not like a a clean possession player. Most no. of the time, which is really? fine. We don't need to be. I See, think, my know, my read of Everton is that he's a straight up possession player. Like he's an enforcer for sure. Like in yeah. the Kyle Beckerman foul people to scare him kind of way. But he keeps possession of the ball and he helps the team keep possession of the ball. Yeah. Extremely well, I thought. I just can't not compare it to the way that Ned, Ned Gravoy played that position. Mm-hmm. Just like always the back, his back to the line and just like just the perfect fulcrum of moving the ball from like Everton is a great possessor of the ball. And I think that he, when he wins possession, he's very good at keeping and advancing the ball, but just the way that net that, that formation was like built for, for Ned Grabovoy. And I can't in my mind, anyone that plays it differently is if it just seems like less effective. I don't know. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think uh, I don't mean to slight Everton Louise, of course. Uh, I think he's fantastic and brings a lot to the game. Yeah, we wouldn't um, want to upset. I, him. I think he's better as a shuttler than he would be at the the base of that diamond. But I think Nick Beesler is the other player on the side uh, was a terrible decision. And between that and Everton Louise, it just kind of fell apart. Yeah, I think we should that's play three, three defensive midfielders before we do that. But you know. But we should never play three defensive midfielders. You should never, ever play three defensive midfielders or advocate for playing for three defensive midfielders. It's the worst thing in in soccer. It's the worst. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it would have been better than what we saw. But. It may have been more effective as a way to, like, not lose the game as bad as we did, but it's the worst. It's not a winning strategy, that's for sure. No. Yeah, as evidenced by the United States men's national team <laughs> World Cup run. 
Oh, oh dear. I still can't believe they yeah, dropped Kyle I can. Back. They played three. Oh, sorry, I'm talking about the most recent where they didn't make the World Cup. Oh, 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 oh. They yeah. played three defensive midfielders like 90% yeah. of the time, and they were trash yeah. always. True. Oh, I, you know how I was thinking about the other day? Mick's discarude. What's what's mix up to? Do you remember when he signed for Manchester City? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even though he was awful and like he's he's a really he's not good. He's still a roster uh, Manchester City player. <laughs> uh, well, oh, um, you know. Yeah, he's on loan to where is he on? Is he back in Norway? He, he went to Borg. Yeah. He's one of the strangest dudes. Oh, what a cool guy. Remember when he was signed by Manchester City, he made like this huge deal about it. Like he had this big promo (laughs) video. I was like, bro, you're not playing for Manchester City. Launched his brand with his hat design thing. Like that was his thing. Yes. Like he was seriously acting like, um, yeah, that was, that was very, very odd. He was acting like he was going to be competing for like Fernandinho's spot in the lineup. I was like, (laughs) bro. I still think there there had to be something like weird going on there for Manchester City to even think about that, right? Like it's some totally. sort of internal money dealing. It has to be. It was really weird because it, it makes absolutely no sense. It's like this is a team with Kevin De Bruyne on it. Like, what are you doing? There's no way that he would ever be. I mean, he's not even young really anymore. How old is he? He's twenty nine. Yeah. Why? Why did they sign? Why did they sign him in twenty eighteen? Wait, and they signed him to like a three year deal, didn't he? He's been playing in Korea. He played. He was in. He was in. Oh, yeah. uh, Nor- He was in Norway, then Korea, then Norway again. Yeah, he was like a cult hero in Norway. They loved him over there. Yeah. Not Norway. Sorry, uh, Korea in uh, Ulsan Hyundai. Yeah, he was. They loved him. I know that there was all kinds of stuff that they did. There's no way it's a coincidence that he played for New York City FC and then was signed by Manchester City. Oh no, of course not. Assign have a four and a half year contract with. (laughs) It's got to be something to get around financial fair play, right? Like, (laughs) is he like? Are they laundering money through mixed discarude? I. This is. This is such a niche joke, but he's the Ford Ranger for uh, Manchester City. (laughs) <laughs> like Ford made the Ford Ranger for so many yeah. years and they never changed it they never upgraded it simply because it got like good gas mileage and so it helped like up their average gas <laughs> mileage for their trucks and so their other trucks like they could make them have worse gas mileage because the average there's some like EPA rule that said like their average mileage or their average emissions something had to be a certain level, but it allowed them to make the F one hundred and fifty and two hundred and fifty like worse yeah. trucks because the Ranger was so good. It just brought up their average. That was like the only reason they kept selling that garbage truck for so long. I mean, do you remember? Like he was on. He was at the two thousand and fourteen World Cup. He like Jurgen Klinsmann brought him on that team. He didn't make a single appearance. He was the number and ten. Jurgen Klinsmann didn't bring him, bring a backup. Uh, we didn't have a backup for Josie Altador when he ripped his leg in half. We he wore the number ten. That was the year that yeah. Landon Donovan wasn't brought because yeah. of, for some reason. <laughs> gave, so dude, he got the number ten. 
he cast spells on people? How does this man who he's like super into poetry, this guy who's like he he's like a super pseudo woke guy and thinks he's so like so he's, deep. I'm gonna he's read you a quote like from a Scandinavian that. hippie, dude. He's my favorite he's player. So weird. Okay, here we go. I feel like I've got some unfinished business there and in MLS, he stated. Whether it comes to me playing in the States in the future, I do not know. I've enjoyed traveling the world, and maybe I might keep trying new continents. South America would be pretty interesting, no? He Um, he does have unfinished business, because as part of ESPN FC's MLS Confidential Annual Anonymous Player Poll in 2017, which surveyed over 140 of the league's current players, Discord was named as the most overrated player in the league. (laughs) Dude, and he just is so corny. I just, it really blows my mind. He's so funny. Um, I want Ray like to sign him. Oh, can we please? I, Could we please? I, I honestly like if we got him for like a small contract, like if, yeah, if, we, could, if we could switch him out for someone like hey Luke Mulholland, for example, and he wants to come hang out in every our RSL or play with the Monarchs, and maybe I I, I don't care. That's fine. Get his degree I, online. Always, I've always like we <laughs> at, at that New Hampshire University or whatever. Yeah, whatever it is. Howard <laughs> advertises for. Yeah, I mean. He's I, I for some reason like him too. I hate him so much, but I like I like him for some reason. Um oh man, what's up for some guy. reason? He's such a lovable character. Like he's a bad soccer player, but just like as a human being, he's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah something like that. Okay, uh let's end with this. Okay. Um I don't want to alarm you guys about this either. But uh, Louis Gill is currently without a club, so, you know. Oh, did he finally get released from uh, whatever the hell team Victoria he was playing for in the Czech Republic? Yeah. He was in the Czech Republic? In the second division yeah. of the Czech Republic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's where Luis Gill went. This is why I don't write for oh RSL Soapbox anymore, because I wrote a huge <laughs> feature on Luis Gill and the, his future for the club, and now he's playing for the second division in Czech Republic. Not anymore. He was released. (laughs) He was released like three months after I wrote this huge article on him. This is so funny. So Mix back in August tweeted, Mind other men, but most yourself. On days like this, I urge everyone to make up their own mind and not just depend on those who are unfortunate enough to have the mind the mind of the minds collectively. Yeah. And there's one reply and it says I agree, Mix. Liberals truly believe in groupthink <laughs> and aren't capable of individual thought. <laughs> this is my favorite thing about the stuff that he tweets and says. Like, it means nothing, but everybody reads whatever they want into it because it's just like ethereal words put together, like meaningless garbage. He, in, back in July, he started and played as a center back for whatever team he was on. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, he he tweets so much in Norwegian, so I don't know what's going on. Um, he used the phrase "Corona times," uh, no. <laughs> which is great. Um, man, he is just such a weirdo. Um, so much of this. What is he even saying? Oh Oh my gosh, this is so good. So this was after his time in Korea. Sorry, this is the last thing. Um, So it's three tweets back in November of, of 2019. 
14 years of Wilson Trophy starvation is, and then, uh, so he always does like like line breaks, which is super weird. The way he he everything's like a freaking haiku to this guy. But anyway, 14 years of Wilson Trophy starvation is why Manchester sent me to this Korean nation. What a joy, cultured respect and effort and correlation. But in the final hour, I'm disappointingly dressed for a vacation. I worked so hard for this, but I got my third citation. Second tweet, I apologize, and I pray for absence of stagnation and deprivation. But for the finest day of all Hyundai levitation, let's party tonight, the entire Haragi population. Third tweet, settle, some settle for soju and squid. I'll do champagne and crustacean. Thanks for being a part of your heart with and without last with and without lactation you have adopted me i'm now forever an asian <laughs> dude okay for real like not a joke absence of stagnation is a great band name someone said maybe the first person in human history to rhyme asian with <laughs> <laughs> I pray dude. for the absence of stagnation. This guy's a poet, dude. And on uh, on on that note, uh, good night, everybody. Oh my god! Can we call this episode "Absence of Stagnation"? We'll see. Right, good night, everybody. I'm so glad I found his Twitter.